This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane. Joining me today is Scott McDermott, as usual, as usual, and a very special guest and Rangers legend, former midfielder, title winner, Alex Ray. On the pod today, we're going to look at the managerial situation. We're going to look at some of the managers that's had their names thrown into the hat. We're going to review the Partick Thistle match and preview Hamilton. Alec, who's your choice at the moment to take this Rangers job? We've got a lot of names that are floating about out there. We've got Derek McInnes, the obvious candidate, Steve McLaren, Slavin Bilic starting to get talked about. Who's your choice? Um, I think um, Derek McInnes is probably spoken about in terms of what's required at the club. It would bring a stability there. Um, You look at the other runners, Raiders, you talk about Bilic, Steve McLaren's been mentioned. I think they need to get back to basics, Rangers. I think they have to get someone in who knows the club. Um, it's interesting, I was doing a similar thing for, for a, another organisation a few nights ago and they're saying they have to get the best candidate in and things. For me, that's... I think you have to understand the dynamics at Rangers. You have to have a understanding. You look at Warburton when he came in and when they were getting a draw and he dominated games, they, don't, they just couldn't quite grasp the fact that um, a draw wasn't good enough. You know, and and it was like a rude awakening for these guys. But I don't, I don't quite think they actually grasp that you need to win on a weekly basis, and that has to be transferred from the leader of whoever it is at the club through to the players. And I think that's been kind of diluted in recent years, and I mean throughout the club, uh, down to the youth. So, um, I think you probably look at Derek McInnes as a safe pair of hands. Um, there's not a lot of great candidates out there for me. Otherwise, you just say go and get this guy. Uh, then there's obviously a compensation package for Derek as well. Um, there'll be the, the, the talk about, you know, he's all beaten Celtic once in the last four years, uh, all being he'll have more resources. So I think Derek would probably be there, but having worked with Big Alex McLeish, I know what Big Alex brings to the table. It's interesting, you know, you look at guys like David Moyes as well, or we're diverse in a little yeah. bit. He's just walked into the West Ham job this morning. Uh, his Man United contract when he was there a couple of years ago effectively we had another year but he's had three jobs in between that so um, and, and and when you look at Big Alley a top nine finish in the Premiership also won a cup with Birmingham so but Ali knows the dynamics at Rangers um, I, I, listen I think it's a really difficult job whoever comes in um, you've got a squad of players at the moment who seem to have a wee bit of freedom since Pedro left Um and I think it was the right move for the board to actually get rid of Pedro as well because of his... Um, I think it was more to do with some of the stuff that was off, off the field. Yeah. You know, when you look at some of the quotes, some of the things that were coming out, and it was it must have been great for you guys because it was a daily uh, headline for you, but it's about time to move on. And try, And this is a really important time for the, for the Rangers board because they really need to get it right on the back of these two previous appointments. You sat down with Pedro Alex yeah. to talk about the... The, the coach job that was there for the, yeah. the local coaches he called it 
Were you surprised at how it ended up looking looking back at that meeting? When I went in initially, he talked about his methodology, um, and he spoke about how he wanted to play. I, I, I gave him my ideas. I thought very simply, at home, you can more or less play expansive, try and go on the ball, particularly at Ibrox. I think it's a different ball game against uh, Celtic because of where Celtic are at the moment. Uh, away from home, you've got four, three or four games which are extremely difficult. First and foremost, you have to be able to win the battle. So you've got Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibs and Hearts. You need to win the battles, particularly away from home. Even back in my day when it was a good, strong Rangers team, you had to win the battle. And then, uh, you know... We, as an example, when you go back to Warburton's last couple of games, they lose 4-1 at home, you know, and they're trying to play out for the back and things. I just think you have to get an understanding of winning battles. So I said this to Pedro, and uh, when I got the phone call, uh, he spoke very well in what he was intending to do. But when I got the phone call, this was the along the lines of, we have chosen the candidate who is best suited to our methodology. And I remember thinking, and I had a great conversation because it wasn't just a one minute, it was about 12 or 14 minutes yeah. we were talking about the game and, and he was a very engaging guy, I, I quite liked his company the times that I spent in it. And, but when I came off the phone, I think the thing that Pedro missed was that he needed to get somebody who had a Scottish methodology, marry the two together and then try and come up with a winning formula. So because it's his formula, this wasn't working, so... I think he missed a trick there uh, in terms of getting someone who knew the landscape, what it needed, um, and uh, because I think he was more interested in his methodology and ultimately he's, p- he's paid the price for that. Just one more question, Scott, and I'll, I know you're desperate to come in. Um, <laughs> Alec, you know, we, we, you just you mentioned his methodology there. How different was his tra- you know, tactical periodisation as his te- technical methodology? Was this something that you, you immediately thought, is that going to work with Scottish players? It's quite new. Well, see, see, to be honest with you, see the language in which Pedro uses and the modern day coaches. It's just a different language. Uh, you know, they talk about playing through the lines quicker. Uh, we used to call it a counter attack, uh, more possession based. It's just about keeping the ball. It's just a different language that people are using today. Football hasn't changed. That's the thing. Nothing's changed. You're just using all this different uh, dialect to make it sound a bit more. Um, sexy if you like but personally it's about winning games that's the thing you have to understand about being at Rangers you can keep the ball for 80% of the the game but it doesn't matter uh, if you don't get the results and ultimately um, they they never done that the fact that they never get three games on the bounce over the course of eight months is astonishing Um, and that's where they get its respect to the rest of the the league but when you have that type of budget and uh, whatever the the figure was eight million or eight plus and transfer fees in the summer is astonishing. You know, you've got guys that are doing it on a regular basis with a fraction uh, of what Rangers have. Scott, Alex mentions the three games in a row. Yeah. Um, Graham Murty is on course with a home game against Hamilton to do that without losing or drawing a game. Yeah. Is he a viable candidate for this position? I don't think so, Johnny. No, and that, that's no disrespect to, to Graham Murty, who I think is a decent coach. And... One thing you have to say for him is that he's got a reaction for the players. You know, both I think you could argue both times that he's took over as interim boss, the players have responded. Um, but in general, I'm always wary of caretaker managers who come in, win a couple of games, and then clubs decide, right, this is the guy for us. I think if you look back through history, it invariably uh, fails, and you can't really put your finger on, on why that is. But... No, listen, Graham Murty's done well 
but he's still at the very early stages his coaching career and for where Rangers are at the minute as a club and as a as a squad you know, they need a big character a big personality a guy who's going to come in there really stamp his authority on it get them winning games again convincingly winning big games which, which Pedro Cusina couldn't do um, so at this stage I don't think he's a candidate um, but he's certainly yeah, he can't he can argue with what he's, what he's done in the last couple of games one of the names that's come up in the Daily Record website yesterday from an interview that you did yep. um, was Slavan Bilic. I think you did the interview seven years ago, discussed how he would be very keen to come to Scotland at that point. Yep. Um, do you think that's a serious name? It's an interesting one. I mean, it's obviously one you wouldn't have thought about uh, no, a couple of weeks ago, even though he was under pressure at West Ham. You didn't quite think, well, if he leaves there, he might be a, he might be a contender, but... Just looking back at that interview, you know, it did get me get me thinking. And one thing about Bilic is he's a passionate, passionate guy about football. Back then, doing that interview, he seemed to be very clued up on the old firm. I think it went back to his, his days at Everton when Walter Smith was there and Archie Knox and Richard Goff, I think, was there for a time. Chirani. Yeah, so he seemed to know a lot about it. And I think as well... When you come from a country like Croatia, and he's managed the national side, obviously, you know, they're so passionate. Uh, you know, when it comes down to you no know, religion, and he really knows about all these kind of <coughs> what makes a big rivalry, um, and what's required uh, at that kind of. Um, you no, know, Croatia have got big derbies, and you no, know, because of their history and stuff. So he know he knew all about it, and he was very keen at that time, and you no, know, saying in the future. It would be something that he would love to he would love to consider, and now that he's a free agent, you just wonder whether Mark Allen or, or whoever at Ibrooks is maybe looking at it and think, is it worth is it worth speaking to speaking to this guy just to see just to see if he fancies it again? I still agree with Alex. I still I'm going to stick to my guns and say Derek McInnes to me is that is is a no brainer for the job, and that's who they should go for, but. Throwing Bielic into the mix is interesting and it might be might be worth speaking to. Alex, we're talking about a guy who's got the best wit record at West Ham in the Premiership. You know, you still keep connected to English football. You yeah. played down there. What are your thoughts on the man? No, listen, I, I agree with Scott in terms of uh, Bielic's um, passion and things. It's interesting because I played against a lot of the guys, Asanovic and guys like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, there were a, there was a wee influx of Croatians back in the day. And um, they were very tight knit. And uh, but having worked with Dado Prusso as well, yes, you talk course. about passion. So yeah. I know what these guys. But when you actually see them commentating, I think it was in one of the. I think it was either the Euros or the World Cup in Brazil, right. wasn't it? And uh, yep, yeah, you can tell the guy's passion, his knowledge, and things. Um, I think mm. it just needs a steady hand at the moment. They really need to kind of get this appointment right. And mm. if they went back down the foreign route, um, because it will. Come a period where I feel as if you know, right? Okay, you've had two two hits at this yeah. the board in terms of getting the right appointment. Uh, they've got a director of football in. They've got a scout network in. So there's actually things in place that they're starting to put things in place. Yeah. And I agree. I think Mark Allen will be one of these kind of have a major influence on which way they're going to start going because it was almost like the you know back to front where you would normally have a director of football and he would yeah. have an input. Then you've the manager. Mark Allen wasn't even heard of in the first couple of months and now he's starting to be more vocal I'm led to believe he's doing a lot more in and around the whole football operations um, and that can only benefit uh, 
if he's doing it correctly and he's getting the right people in place because it's only time will tell the, that the problem we going down the foreign route again it doesn't matter whether it's Bielic or MD else I mean Bielic might be the right guy yeah, you know like a, a Prudhoe might, might be the right guy the problem we're going for and again for Rangers after Cassinia is that it's such a big gamble if it doesn't work because if Bielic came in tomorrow and suddenly uh, and it doesn't hit it off right away the punters are just going to be saying the guy doesn't know what it's about I can't believe we've been down a foreign route and they'll be saying how could we have possibly turned down Dennett McInnes again the right guy is staring you in the face why are we not going what, what, what is holding him back to going and get getting Derek McInnes that's that's a dilemma for the board in terms of they might think a sexier name is the right guy but they've been down that road before I'll, with Cassini Scott it'll be really interesting to see who's actually on the list yeah. see with the matter because you mentioned Prude on there yeah. he, he was at a, a Bruges when I was in Belgium yeah. and he was one in the league and some of the personnel he had and you know uh, combustible he, character by the he, he was he was brilliant um, we, we managed to spend a bit of time with Alex and myself as well after games and things and um, so it's interesting you're getting guys at that level yeah. so but until you actually know who's applied who they're actually interviewing you know we're only plucking a few names <coughs> out there and if, if they're doing their job well enough they will be interviewing other yeah. people it can't just be a tried and tested who we feel as if a safe pair of hands they'll probably go through an interview process uh, it may even be held down in London just to try and keep it yeah. you know, uh, on the QT. Is, is the crux of all this, perhaps not necessarily about if they're foreign or not, but experience of the Scottish game? Like, do they, Does it have to be someone that knows the pressures of being a Rangers manager, the pressures of being a Rangers player so they can empathise with the squad? You're having to win every single game. That mental toughness is required. Is it someone that, that's sort of been through it, that's run the course, which leads you to... Derek McInnes, Alex I th- McLeish. I think so. Just because of where Rangers are at the minute, because of where they are in the league, because of where the squad is, because of how the fans are feeling, to me, they need somebody who knows that club inside out, knows what it means to the, to the, to the supporters. Alec touched on it earlier, no, getting a draw at home, eh, or a draw away from home to Partick Thistle. No, Cashinia seemed to think that was that was OK. Two draws away from home to Partick Thistle. They need somebody who's been there. Derek McInnes was there through that nine-in-a-row era under Walter Smith. He was a supporter, obviously, as as a boy. He knows exactly how those supporters are thinking, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, and I think that's what Rangers need at the moment. Scott, it's not just just about what the supporters know and things. Do you know the thing? That's one of the things I said to Pedro at the beginning as well. I says the media are ruthless. They are. I've been running about it. I see how they operate. And I've been on both sides, and uh, it can become really tiresome, uh, uh, you know, in terms of draining on you, and and I think it's that's also a factor uh, as well, you know, and, uh, because see if you don't handle that particularly well, or you get up on your high horses, you, you're, you're done in, and uh, and I think that's something they're going to have to look at as well. Alec, when you were at Rangers, there was an influx of of players, and both the seasons you were there from abroad. Yeah. I think the first season you had Boom Song, I mean, good, good players yeah. coming in, and the second season um, you, you had foreign players as well. Yeah. What do you do as an established pro in the Rangers dressing room who understands the club to get these yeah. boys understanding the mentality that's required? Yeah, well, listen, see, see the first season we had uh, when I joined, we hadn't been Celtic the previous season, so Big Alec phoned me in the March which effectively was like three or four months before the season finished, I was still at Wolverhampton, and he says to us, he says, listen, 
We need people in that dressing room who can actually relay what it actually means. Now, this is interesting because I felt as if I knew what it meant because I'd followed the club as a supporter. I'd been at the club as an apprentice as a boy. But see, see, going back to your point of somebody who knows the dynamics, you cannot understand the dynamics. I'd played 650 games, first team games, then you get up to Rangers and then you realise what pressure is. The goldfish bowl. In your mind you think, oh, I know what that's all about. See, until you actually start experiencing it and you're getting scudded all over the place, you lose your first old firm game, pundits, TV, journalists, the whole shooting match, and then the punters, the, the pressure that comes with that. So when you take all that, then that's there. But that first season you're talking about, we had uh, Miladinovic. We natural who knew what it was about because he'd been up at Dundee. We had Boomsong. We had uh, Prusso. And you're trying to imprint on them what was there. But one of the key things at the beginning of that season that was brilliant was we were given a leather binder and it was a history of the club. So it gave you where the club started, where it had first uh, situated, and then with two DVDs, it like kind of uh, kind of giving you a rundown of the history of the club from the black and white days up to you know uh, Barcelona with John Gregg, up to the you know the trebles and things. So all of a sudden you get an understanding, and then at the back of that you have a, a code of conduct, which it takes to actually be a Rangers player and what you represent. It was outstanding. I read. I heard a great story, Alec, about something Alec McLeish said to you after an old firm game as you were coming off the pitch. If you want it, because it fits brilliantly. It fits brilliantly. Into this. <laughs> the thing is, this is a, this is a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. It was. Um, well, it's interesting. We, we, we at my, my first old firm game. I don't know if you know this, but in the second minute it was built up as a Lennon Ray and who's going to win the tussle? You know, the two wee crackpots from either side <laughs> affect him. <laughs> and um, so in the second minute, uh, I went for a tackle on the own and I tore my calf. I remember looking over to the doctor and saying to him, you know, you need to get me something here. And he gave me two paracetamol. And I, <laughs> no, seriously, this is true. And, and, and this is true. I had a two-inch tear in my calf. I was out for 11 weeks after the game and I actually played the full 90 minutes. So I was, I was uh, at the time I didn't know how long the injury would last. So it took me 10, 11 weeks to get back up to speed. Didn't play any reserve games, but I was trying my best because it was a double header in the old firm games. And uh, I remember coming back in the League Cup game, and, and we, anyway, we, we, we diversing a wee bit. We, 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 yeah, was, uh, 70 minutes, Celtic are 1-1-0, one one but we're playing really well, we're dominating the game. And I remember thinking to myself, if we don't win this game, we're finished for the rest of the season, because psychologically, you know, even when they're not playing particularly well Celtic, you know, they would have the momentum and the psychological approach to it all. And we managed to win 2-1. But I think the next game, uh, we, we, we won 2-0, I think, at Ibrox. 2-2-0. And um, I, I was waiting to shake. It was just back and I was waiting to shake Neil's hand. And Martin and Neil grabbed him and went up to the top of uh, the Brimlin Road. And I, think, I remember thinking to myself, hold up. I said, I'm shooting your hand when we're going to beat the park. I'm going to wait in the, in the both of them. So I shook both of her hands and I looked up to a fella who I know in the main stand who's a big Rangers man for the East End, I feel like caught Andy Smiley and I was kind of giving it, yeah, beauty. <laughs> and um, and Big Alex was waiting at the end of the tunnel to shake Martin and, uh, and Neil's hand. And uh, anyway, he came in and he gave me a big bear hug and he went, don't let me see you doing that again. He says, we were in Lewis with Dignes as Rangers. And I just thought it was a brilliant thing to say. Now I'm 35 and I'm going, like a wee boy, are you right, Gaffer? <laughs> but um, it, it, it's about how you carry yourself and how you behave. And that goes back to what I was saying about the book. You know, it's Rangers you're representing, and I think all this stuff that I'm telling you here has been diluted. Mm. You know, I hear last year, like the youths at Rangers, they get to a final, and this group of players are overachieving. I'd never heard that in my whole 
period ever being at Rangers, uh, you know, as a kid, as going back as a player, and they take it back to believing that they're the best. Because if you tell people that they're second best, they'll believe it. So I think it's about getting back to these principles in which Big Alex was trying to say, hey, this is Rangers, we behave properly here, son. And and I think I think it's kind of got away from that. And the quicker we get back to the kind of things and the kind of standards, the better we'll be able to compete with Celtic. One of the names that's been coming up over and over again, um, I've seen Rangers fans tearing their hair out on social media, is Steve McLaren. Scott, rubbish, accurate, worrying. What's your take on it? I think it's probably rubbish in terms of will he get the job, Johnny, but certainly the, the there was definite kind of murmurings coming out kind of over the weekend that he was certainly on Mark Allen's list for the job. And Steve why, McLaren wants the job, that's well, for sure. But why wouldn't he be on the yeah. list? No, if, you, if you're Mark Allen having worked down south for a number of years, we've, we've spoken about this before when he was compiling the list, he's... he's He's not going to go straight to Aberdeen or Perth for Tommy Wright or Derek McInnes. He's going to look at guys he knows, guys he's worked with. He's going to speak to contacts down the road. Steve Mc... I know he's working in uh, Israel as a consultant, but he's effectively out of work in managerial terms. He was putting himself about for the Hearts job, so he's clearly wanting to get get back in. Um, So I believe he probably is on on a list somewhere in, in Mark Allen's top drawer, but you're right. The, the reaction for the punters over the weekend just that they mention his name it's the whole uh, do you think it's fair because I mean we've got a guy he's taken Middlesbrough to the UEFA Cup final he's won the league with FC20 in a, in a league that's got Feyenoord Ajax yeah. PSV and he was the, the guy who was on the coaching field with the Man U team that won the treble Yeah. so I know the argument is some of that was a long time ago but that's pretty impressive high points on anyone's yeah, CV but it's perception isn't it I mean it's it's the Wally, the Wally with the Brawley, basically. That, that's what people remember. They remember the, they remember the, <laughs> the Wally with the Brawley. That's, that's, your that's, 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 that's the cruel media that you're talking about. That's just what people think of. Yeah. And obviously it didn't go well from England since then. I think he's been sacked twice by Derby County. Um, didn't go too well at Newcastle either. So he's got a few... Kind of failures now on his on his CV, which which doesn't help him. And again, it goes back to the no. Do you spend fortunes? Steve McLaren, I, I think, would cost a fair bit of, fair bit of cash to get him in and wages and money for players. Ian Cathro would have to get a package to come in as well as number yeah, that's, two. That's another thing. <laughs> uh, do you spend that amount of money on a guy who? doesn't know Scottish football and certainly doesn't know Rangers, doesn't know the dynamics that, that we're talking about, I think that would be that'd be a huge a huge risk, despite, as you say, no a decent C V going back going back a few years. Alec. Uh, listen, I, I think the the most recent things if people are kind of when they're making a judgment, they tend to think about the last couple of years. They yeah. don't tend to look back. That's and, and, and and a prime example of that would be David Moyes. Yep. Who you know pressed and done fabulous, Everton one of the best yep. win rates from any uh, manager, and then you just look at latterly the last three years. Yep. He's obviously going back into West Ham this morning, but there's a perception you know he's getting studied all over the place, yep. and and then the West Ham things he's he will come out and say the right things, Davy, but he then has to win them over yep. because there's a perception. And but one of the things I do realise, having been in it, I work myself is it's about perception. 
you know, there's people doing not bad jobs, but they're put up to be doing fabulous jobs. And it is, and when you actually look and strip it back to the detail, you start going, oh, it's not as, as impressive as we actually think. We'll move on now from the managerial situation to having a wee look at the part of the game. We've got Alec here, a midfield general of some repute for Rangers. What is your take on the current Rangers midfield? Um, well, let me tell you, I, I've known Graham Doran since he was a kid. I tried to sign him when I was at Dundee, him and Snodgrass. So I've, I've kind of followed them, uh, the, the, the both East End boys as well, of Glasgow, where I'm from. So you, t- you tend to take a little bit of interest. For me, Graham Dorans is playing in the wrong position. You know, they, they, they tend to go with the two. And Graham's actually doing most of his stuff running about the halfway line, yeah. too far from goals. And if you look at what he's been effective when he cut inside and he killed it into the top corner. Uh, his early couple of goals from uh, midfield at, at Motherwell, the yeah. opening game of the season, uh, when he arrived late into the box, I think it was against Hamilton, wasn't it? The, yeah. the, the, the fourth one. So when you look at all that, it's, he's more middle to front. So what I do like is actually how um, the wee guy Holt has come back into the team recently. He's brought a lot of energy. Uh, I, th- I think you need him. I'm not exactly sure he's more of a sitter either. Uh, so in terms of the dynamics from the, if you want to play with a two and another one in front just playing behind the, the, the number nine the striker um, so I think Rangers probably need another out and out midfielder who can work box to box and let Jack just go and be the one because if you get two players coming to the ball all the time you know it's very easy to play against everything's in front of you if, if the opposition so I'd, I'd, I would like to see Dorans play more forward if I was doing things in the short term I would play Jack and Holt as the ones that are just kind of going and patrolling, using the legs, and I'd let Graham go and play a wee bit more further forward, because uh, I don't think Penna is nowhere near the level at the moment. You've played with Kenny Miller. He's yeah. been. We've talked about his, him yeah. playing in the sort of number 10 role. While we really respect him as a player, yeah. he's maybe not naturally a number 10. No, he isn't. He isn't. Kenny's uh, stuff was all off the shoulder. And even if you look at the weekend, yeah. you know, his goals peeling off the centre half, and, and, and that's more to do with Kenny. He, he is... Adapted as his career's gone on, he's played off the left, he's played off the right. Personally, I don't think any of them are actually doing him any favours. And even if you look back to his games before they get kind of bombed with Pedro, he was dropping into the midfield. They had him playing central midfield, you know, when they went down to 10 men against Tibbs, they had him playing centre of the park. He's not neither of them. What we'll say is, is by Graham Murphy putting him back in, is he has actually, there's a, Scott touched upon it, there's a freedom now within the squad. And I think because of the manager's you know, like character defects, he, want, he always wanted to portray he was a fighter and a scrapper and things. And I think that's what let him down, because he was too busy wanting to fight and argue with everyone that he was, he was missing the, the trick of man-managing the players. Yeah. You know, there's, you can go back to my, my early days. Uh, some of the managers of what with Bruce Realty would say, listen, manage the guys until it suits you, and then you get them out the door in the next window. You know, keep them on side, don't... Can I throw a hand grenade in your own dressing room? Then, you know, you've got all these senior guys at Rangers looking up to Kenny as, you know, a guy who's seen and done the whole thing, what what Rangers stand for. And then to actually kick him out of the squad was like, you know, it was madness in, in, in Pedro's part because he effectively lost the dressing room at that stage. Uh, Scott, he made a huge call, Graham Murty, leaving out Alves. Yeah. And he stuck with Wilson and McCrory, who I thought were, were excellent. Yep. Well, what was your take on their, that call and their performance? I was surprised. It was a big call. Uh, I turned up at Ibrox on Saturday. I fully expected Bruno Alves to be back in for Danny Wilson. I always felt he would keep 
Ross McCrory in on, on the right side of central defence, but I thought Alves would, would come in. And it was it was strange seeing somebody like Alves on the bench actually, because you just think he was the marquee signing, he's the, he's the big, Fish. biggest name in that squad. Um, and it was interesting speaking to Graham Murty after the game, uh, asking him about when he told Alves and how he took it. And it was a wee bit unclear in terms of it. He seemed to say he told him on the Friday. Um, he told him like a man. He said Bruno was very respectful. He said, but he was open and honest with me. I just wondered whether Alves has maybe told him that you know, he respected his decision, but he wasn't he wasn't too happy with it because. I mean, it was a big coup for Rangers, I think, getting them here. Bruno Alves will have absolutely no interest in sitting on the, sitting on the bench for any amount of time uh, this season. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops well, after the international break. We spoke about Kenny there in terms of what he kind of, you know, the dynamics in the dressing room. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out, Scott, yeah. because the thing is, you're talking about characters. This is a guy that's done and seen it all, yeah. won titles all over the place. So that'll be something and then this is we going back to the man management how do you actually handle that Yeah. and and it'll be interesting to see I, in the coming I, weeks I think Graham Murty it would have been a dilemma for him but I think he's maybe thought to himself first of all I look to the guys that got me a result at Murrayfield to, to go again and B if he had any serious you no know, ambitions about being a contender for this job maybe he thought I need to show I've got a wee bit of balls here, be making a big a big decision. Maybe he's thinking I need to show the board, no, I'm not gonna just pander to no Alves coming back in or, or whatever. So it was a big decision, so fair, fair play to him. What impressed me in the game was the game management. It seemed a lot more professional. They got the goal early, they they, they passed the ball about well, they just controlled it and got the goals at the right times, they moved they moved up the gears at the right times. That was really not something we were used to seeing under Pedro Casino where you'd have lulls yeah. we've discussed it often yeah. no well the, the, I was at the game I think the second goal was crucial for them as well yeah. Rangers um, I've got to say I wasn't particularly impressed with Partick on, over the day they I thought they were, they were, they were really I, I thought they were laboured um, the thing is it's about, as I said it's about getting wins and, and you know they were relatively comfortable on the day and then it started the second half to give away the third goal yeah. I think all the, 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 the goals were crucial in terms of how the game played out um, and then obviously you've got Hamilton in a couple of weeks, which you would expect. You know, if you're going to do any uh, aspirations to kind of jump up the league, you have to beat teams like Hamilton, Thistle, uh, particularly Ibrox. What is your take on the wide players? Because we've got Candias and Windass both scoring. That's two games in a row Windass has scored. He's a frustrating player. We've gone over this. Yeah. I mean, he's got all the tools, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's quick. He's strong. He's he's got good skill, but he just doesn't seem to put it all together. What's your take on that? Listen, um, it's interesting because I look at the I look at the boy Windass. He looks like a good specimen. He's what six feet one, Scott. He's a yeah. decent size. Yet the keeper kicks the ball to Candias, and I just think to myself, I would like to see him just use his physicality, be an out ball when the keeper does have to kick it. And his inconsistency is one of the issues for me. You know, I see him early early part of the season. I'd seen him at a level in the opening game against Motherwell, the first half in particular, and you thought. Oh dear, where, where has this been? Yeah. And he hasn't shown that. Now, I agree, he's starting to have <coughs> two goals in the last couple, but what is it? Did he have two goals prior to that? So, you know, and you have to use it as your yardstick. So you're looking at what these guys, the Rangers wide guys, are bringing, and then you look at Celtic's wide guys. Yeah. You know, you look at Sinclair, probably around about double figures. I think Forrest has got seven, Patrick Roberts has got a few goals. So 
you need to put it in context and this is the yardstick you need these guys to be actually pitching them with more goals they need to do it on a more regular basis and also having like you said bigger inputs for longer periods yeah. within the game I think I think that's the problem with the two wide guys I think with the Rangers fans just now are so desperate no, for for any kind of success they're desperate just to cling on any shining lights that they see in it. and I think they see bits of that with Candias and Windas but that Alex spot on you know, Josh Windas scores a couple of goals and you think like you're saying right that's there's a player in there it's it's beginning to come out but he's so inconsistent it's it's unbelievable I think he's also talking about you're saying about the keeper I think he's a bit soft as well I think he's got to toughen up a wee bit yeah. and in terms of the output I think that's the problem he'll go a couple of games maybe get, get one or two goals but Celtics if you're comparing and you know we always compare because that's just the way it is in, in Glasgow the way it is in this league you compare Windass and Candias to Roberts Forrest Sinclair it's a level below for me I mean they really need to be Candias and Windass if they think that they're doing okay just now then they've got another thing coming because if Rangers are going to get to where they want to be and they too want to be part of it, they really need to start producing what they did produce on Saturday on a regular basis and maybe even at a, a higher standard. Yeah, well, that's the thing. But you've had the, the see the thing is, Scott, they need to do it against the top teams. Yeah. And they haven't done it. You know, when you look at the, yeah. the important games of Celtic, the Aberdeens and things, so they need to do that on a more regular basis against the Hibs, yeah. Hearts. And uh, and by doing that, then you can start seeing a player. But one of the, the things is we're talking about these two guys. Where is the next players yeah. behind that? There's, so the, I'm no talking about strength and depth. No that's what I'm saying. So so you go like, ah, okay, Windass, we'll bring in this guy. Yeah. So there's no and, and and you're looking at the squad and it's very threadbare for yeah. me. And it's you know it's strength and depth as well. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we're going to have to look at. Well, one of the things they seem to be doing is promoting young players through. Um, we've seen, obviously, McCrory come in. You worked with uh, Ryan Hardy at St Mirren, yeah. and he came on at the weekend. What, 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 what's he like as a guy? What's he like as a player? What do you think? Do you think yeah. he's got a chance at Ibrox? Listen, I, I think uh, if you can get the ball over the top for Ryan Hardy, he's a very good finisher. There, there's no two ways about that. In terms of his overall game, I think it's fair to say that he would probably have to improve considerably in his link-up play because, you know, you've got to be able to kind of retain the ball, particularly the way the modern day is. So if he's going to be your number nine, you need him to be physically strong, hold the ball up, bring people into play and take you up the park. He doesn't really have that part of his game. As I said, his, his attributes are if you can get the ball over the top and playing off the shoulder. Uh, so I still think that's a good bit to go for Ryan. He's also got to start doing it. Now, Ryan well, his contract's finished in yeah. summer, Scott. You know, so he's also he's had loan spells. He scored those two goals. That was a long time ago. <coughs> yeah. That was under McCoist. We've had yeah. Kenny McDowell. We've had um, McCall. We've had Warburton. We've yeah. had uh, Kashina. We've had Murty since then, and he's not really kicked on. Yeah, he can't. He's been at Rangers a long time, Ryan Hardy. He's had a few loan spells. I agree with Alec. When I've seen him for like, the Scotland youth teams, there's no doubt he can finish. He's, he's a goal scorer if he gets into the right positions, but. For his own kind of mentality and his own career, I think he will know he's really got to start producing now. The way that McCrory's come in and, and hit the ground running, yeah. Hardy's never really did that. And you do wonder about, without being unkind to the boy, you wonder whether he's maybe got to go away for Rangers, go to a championship club, but it be a St Myrna, 
you know, Wraith Rovers for get back in the championship, but the places he's been and establish himself there and then build almost like taking kinda of one step back to go too forward. How difficult is it for a young player coming at Ibrox? It's an almost forgiven environment. You saw that with that player with the talent of Charlie Adam. Yeah. Never mind some of these young boys that are coming through now. I think um when you go back to to when I was playing there, they they actually had a influx of players who were you know, it, it, Scott said there that he says it's about coming in and making an impact and saying it. You look at Celtic recently, you've got you've got um, Forrest, McGregor, and Tierney. Mm. They come in and they make a, a substantial contribution, and you need that for Rangers as well. When you go back to my days, but we had a nucleus of internationals, very good players. So we brought in Chris Buck, does really well, yeah. dip a form take him back out and this is what I'm talking about in terms of strength and depth yeah. Alan Hutton comes in does relatively well Charlie comes in has a period and then you've got McGregor comes in and does a wee bit as well so you look at these guys and you're saying right okay but you're taking them out putting them back in and that is part of their development but you're actually looking for these guys to come in and have a sustained period and it's not really they're not really doing that at Rangers at the moment I've been speaking to Scott for years about this yeah. I think Rangers at the academy level really need to up their game uh, I think there's a piece in the paper this morning which I've only got the the kind of headlines. headlines really haven't went into details about how well uh, Lennox Town's doing over the last decade in, in the back of Tommy Burns so I think Rangers need to actually up their game in, in all aspects of it and, and to start developing players that are actually going to make a it, when you're developing young kids it's twofold it, firstly what they're going to bring to the first team so that you know they maybe last year somebody like uh, Forrest for say like 40 games Tierney 50 games yeah. so they have a concerted input to your first team that's from a practical playing side and then they bring value to the business so they're, they're worth money so that's what the Rangers need to start getting you, you've worked with Scotland under 19s with Ricky Spadger and we've seen yeah. a lot of these young boys coming through but what what I'm interested in and I think the, the kind of mentality you had as a player back in your day I mean you still treat a game of five a size right. for him game do you look at those 17 18 year old kids and no think these boys just haven't they get the same desire passion commitment no that winning Scott, so, so you see when you're saying see when you're saying that winning mentality there and we speak about this quite a lot yeah. when we're playing five a size and you're right when you say see when I'm playing fives now you've got to win the game yeah. because otherwise you're walking away miserable at yeah. ruins your day yeah. and I'm talking about five sides as a 48 year old do you think kids feel like that? well there's an interesting the one the there's certain kids don't mm. let me ask you a question see Tierney McGregor and Forrest do they Tierney certainly ah, he's got that yeah. we've got that dig but yeah. you, you, does that come from your background or, or, or well, the, well, the is, thing is, is, enough, is there enough working class well the thing is I think uh, I, I, I think it comes from the culture in which you're cultivating at your club yeah I think that comes from there. It's, it's a, a winning ethos. Now, this is going back to generally. See, when you look at non-competitive football, uh, youth level, I'll tell you right now, it's um, it, and it's about getting the balance here. I said in a, on a, a, a Q&A with St Mirren's group that they're not teaching them the right things. And they weren't. I still maintain that. It's okay. And, and what's happened is because of the Barcelona model, you've got all these youth coaches want to try and coach the tiki-taki playing out the back and I get it now the thing is it's okay to play from the back when it's on to play you can't even manufacture it and you know and then come up to a championship club and you're going we don't play for the back son but you know it's about yeah. pressing so it's about getting the balance I, I spoke to Steve, listened to a thing about Stephen Gerrard and he was talking about uh, 
talent's absolutely outstanding it's lovely to work with that which you will, he will be working with at Liverpool he says it but it's the other side it's the nitty gritty about learning to win and things now I was at Celtic Boys Club as a kid so is that a is that a kind of thing that was a, an environment where they were in a winning ethos throughout the club so we, you win leagues and leagues and then that kind of sets you on your way the whole youth setups away from it's all to do with development it's nothing to do with so it's about getting the balance of when the winning matters most now and this is my bugbear Rangers reserves development whatever you want to call it now play non-competitive football so there's no emphasis on winning before you get into 50,000 fans on a weekly basis I can't understand the logic behind it in, in any shape or form it goes against everything that should matter about about a kids you know Um because it's such a huge jump but, to go but, from it doesn't matter to everything. Uh, yeah, everything. But you know the thing is, this it's <clears> about <throat> you're trying to create an environment where it, it should matter. Now, if you even if you want to go down to the twelves and thirteens and fourteens and go, it's about developing. But at some point, the winning mentality and ethos should be equally, if no more, so than particularly at Rangers because it's it's a it's a, a requirement. One of the biggest requirements of playing for that club. But, and if you look at the development side of things, they're talking about best v best. Yeah. I think they've had seven games. I think it's seven. And the last two games at Ibrox, they've lost ten goals. Ten goals. I don't know how that's going to help these kids yeah. for the life of me playing there and losing ten goals. Won, the two games in which they've won, they won down at Brentford. Now, with the greatest respect to Brentford, they'll never be the best. I don't even know what their history is, but I can tell you they've never been a club that's actually won games on a regular basis. Hardy and Kenny Miller were the two strikers that day, yeah. are under 18s. So, yeah. right? And then they beat Mecklen recently over in Belgium, which is okay, but I've worked in Belgium. And when you want to talk about pecking orders, Mecklen are known in the top five. You've got Anderlecht, Bruges, uh, Standard, Ghent, Genk, and then somewhere down there is, is Mecklen. Yeah. So, and I get passionate about it because it is no what's actually going to help these kids develop. It is a balance because that, that's the thing, this games programme, on the surface, no, on the surface it sounds like a good idea. And I do think there's, there's some value in Rangers playing against clubs like Liverpool and Man City and, and whatever. maybe no, Brentford and, and Mecklenburg. I was at the Leicester game. You were there, yes. Alex. I saw you in the stand. And, um, I thought Leicester were... We talked about physicality. Yes. They, they physically bullied Rangers. They were so much bigger. Yeah. Um, so I can see kind of from that point of view where they might the, the boys might wake up and go, we need to get can, to that level. Scott, yeah. see, see, to be balanced here, Scott, see, uh, if, again, I keep looking to the Celtic model. Celtic are currently uh, engaging in the, the development league, right? So they're competing at the development league. I think it's something like 10 out of 16 have won the reserve league effectively. See if you incorporate that kind of competing at domestic level and then do... Obviously Celtic have got the, the, the luxury of the Champions League, yeah, youth league, youth league, so I get that. So I'm not saying by playing against these teams doesn't help your development. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, if, competitive. But, but but see the thing is, Scott, you can still you know like join tournaments. Exactly. When I was a kid yeah. at Celtic Boys Club, we would go and play against uh, English clubs, mm. and it was this English Scotland thing. So uh, overnight there was, uh, 
uh, there was this competitiveness you wanted to play against these English so-and-sos yeah. but you're also doing it within a winning environment of challenging for leagues and titles and that's what drives you on and then when you start kind of bringing in different levels Man City Liverpool do it that way it's the thing about taking them out of that 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 kind of league structure and competing and, and it's okay competing against these teams see when they go into the first team who are they actually competing against Celtic Aberdeen you know what I mean so you're, you're taking them out of that competitive environment <coughs> and then when they have to, actually when it matters they're going back into that environment so yeah. it, it doesn't work for me fascinating stuff um, we're going to leave it there that's all from us this week we'll be back next Wednesday from 4pm if you want to get in touch with us you can I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane Scott is at Scott McDermott 8 and Alex you're on Twitter too aren't you Alex Ray 19 679 <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audio and get the podcast as soon as it's available and if you liked it please review and rate us there too Thanks for listening